1: Enjoy the mess. I want to just take a few minutes before you begin to hear some testimonies. I want to walk you through what's going to happen. Uh, I want to share with you just uh, something very brief here uh, from the Word of God to encourage all of us. And then there's going to be some powerful testimonies that are going to come forward this morning. And they're going to share their hope in Jesus Christ and what the Lord has done in their life. And in between those testimonies, we're going to have some worship time. Uh, So you just let the Lord work in your life today, and you just plug right in and engage in this service, and let the Lord Uh, speak to you in your situation today but we're going to be celebrating hope and the reason we can celebrate hope today is because of Jesus Christ amen that's the reason we celebrate and if there's ever been a time listen to me friend if there's ever been a time that we need to hear and need to have hope it's the day that we live in now can I get an amen amen Amen. There, there, amen. There's so much bad news that's uh, just proclaimed around us, and that's all that's highlighted uh, every day. So it's good for us to hear some good news. Some good news, and I'm here to tell you, friend. God, uh, He's doing some great things, and it's good news today. But so many people, many of you that have came, uh, you know, showed up this morning, and and many who come to our church during the week that we minister to. And many who don't, just going around in life right now on life's journey, they're going through some very difficult and discouraging times. And and people are hopeless. People are walking around hopeless. And when you walk around hopeless, friend, that's a dangerous place to be. We know what that can lead to in a lot of different ways. And so when you're hopeless, it's dangerous, and people are hopeless today, and they're facing hopeless situations and circumstances. Listen, if you ask me and you look around, I really believe that the world, the world is crying out for a message of hope. They, they want to hear a message of hope, and we know that message is Jesus Christ. So people are crying out for hope. People are desperate for hope in our communities, and our families, right here in this church. Listen, people are so desperate for hope that they're turning to the things of this world hoping that that will give them the hope that they need. People are, are looking for a politician to give them hope. I want to go ahead and declare to you this morning, friend, listen, there's not a Democrat or Republican that's going to give you the lasting hope that you need. The lasting hope that you need is only going to come through Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that? People are looking for uh, to politicians for uh, hope. People are looking to uh, money and material things uh, for hope. People are looking to alcohol and drugs to give them hope. People are looking for Mr. Wright and Mrs. Wright hoping that that one relationship or that person is going to give them hope. I want to tell you this morning. Real quickly, that that kind of hope, the kind of hope that the world gives will not last but will vanish very quickly. You, you, you will think that you have found some hope, but I'm here to tell you, when you go searching for hope from the things of the world, that kind of hope is going to vanish and it will never last. Lasting hope can only be found in Jesus Christ alone. Hallelujah. And lasting hope means that you have made things right with God through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how you have a lasting hope. I love that song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And friend, if you're trusting in things of the world to bring you hope, I'm here to tell you that you have invested in sinking sand because it will collapse around you and it will vanish quickly. And that's why you need Jesus Christ into your life. He's the only one that can bring lasting hope. And the good news that I have for anybody that walked through the doors this morning or who's watching online, no no matter uh, what you walked in with today, no matter what your present situation may be, no matter how messed up your past may be, listen, the good news is that God can give you hope today through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, no matter how dark things may be in your life right now. I know there's a lot of people, and and the lights have kind of gone out in your life, and you feel like, you know, I'm just going to give up because I really don't see any purpose of going forward. Listen, the good news is, friend, if you'll put your trust in Jesus, he can give you hope, a lasting hope, no matter how discouraged you feel. If you'll call on Jesus, he'll fill you with hope, The apostle Paul knew something about that hope that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you read in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, I have it on the screen. Listen to what Paul said. He knew something about a hope that can only come through Jesus Christ. His hope, look, he had already found out that his hope couldn't be in just religion or tradition or or what he wanted. True hope and true joy and true peace will come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul says these words... He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Here's the key, as you trust in him, as you trust in him. I'm asking you this morning, friend, whoever you are watching online, are you trusting in Jesus today? Are you, do you need joy? Do you need peace? The key is, are you trusting in Jesus? And Paul says, trust in him so that you may, guess what? Overflow with hope, <laughs> You can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ in you. You can overflow, not not just have a little uh, sampling of it, not just a little drip or a drop, but he says you can overflow with hope, and that hope is an expectation of something good that's going to come from God. Are you hoping for something good to come from God? Paul says you can overflow. Listen, we can overflow with hope today because, why? Because God can be trusted. Listen, I know many of you are going through some circumstances. Some of you are in the fire. Some of you are in the storm. Some of you are in a battle. But listen, you can still overflow with hope today because you can trust God. You can overflow with hope today because he's faithful. You can overflow with hope today because God still works miracles. You can overflow with hope today because God is still answering prayers. God is still healing people. God is still delivering people. God is still providing for his people. God is still protecting his people. God is still blessing his people. Listen, God is still saving people. We had 19 people make a decision for Jesus Christ in the month of August that we know about. We say glory be to God for every one of them. Just a few weeks ago, we were able to water baptize eight. So God is working, friend. I'm here to tell you, I know you see a bunch of bad news out there, and it looks dark, but I'm just telling you right now, I see some things, and many of you will probably see some things too. God is working. He is working, and he is moving. And we can overflow with hope today knowing all that God is doing. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 71, 14. He says, but as for me, I will always have hope and I will praise you more and more. Friend, you can always have hope. You can always have hope. Why? Because God is on your side. And you can always give God praise for all that he's done. And that's what we want to do in this celebration service today is we want to just declare that even in the midst of what some have gone through, and I could have picked many, many other testimonies but this is what I felt like God would want to say to us today that you can still stand and know that I can always have hope and because I can always have hope I will give God praise more and more and more we can never praise him enough that's what the psalmist is saying you can never praise him enough have you got a reason to praise the Lord today come on church (laughs) amen So God is on your side, and that's why you can have hope. So the very first testimony this morning I want you to hear is from a young lady named Betty Sanchez. Many of you know Betty and Ray. They are a blessing to this church, a blessing to our community. And they got such a powerful testimony, and she's going to be sharing some things. But I remember talking to Betty and Ray uh, not long after they arrived here. At this church, they—they they, listen, when they were coming through, traveling through North Carolina, they have family in this church, and what a blessing they are to encourage one another. But they had no intentions of staying in North Carolina. They were just going to come through, and then they uh, came here to the services and started getting connected. And the Lord began to open up doors and began to work in their life. And now they call this home right here. They call this home. God brought them here, and God is working in their life. And they have a powerful testimony. So at this time, let's make uh, Betty and Ray Sanchez welcome this morning. Amen.
2: Being in front is not my comfort zone. So honestly, y'all pray for me because I can share this all day long if I'm not up here. Um, I actually titled this, But God. As many of you know, I have battled leukemia this year. It's 2020 after all, so why not? (laughs) This lovely hairstyle is courtesy of chemo. Um, We received a call from my oncologist three weeks ago, 8.15 on a Sunday morning. Most of you don't know my oncologist is in Arizona, so he had to get up really early on a Sunday morning to call me, to tell me that I was 100% cancer-free. You see, he didn't have to take the time to do that, but he knows our faith. He's done this journey with us for eight years, just about. So, of course, my instant response was, praise God, I'm in remission. He instantly said, no. I said, what? He said that God had told him that he had eradicated the cancer from my body forever and that I would never have to deal with cancer again. What a powerful thing to have your doctor have a relationship with God. Ray and I got married in November 2009. In July of 2012, I had this really annoying earache, but none of the doctors could figure out why I had it. I finally walked into the ENT department at the hospital I worked at and said, somebody's got to fix this. The doctor took me in the back, looked my ear, and instantly pulled away and said, you have a melanoma tumor on your eardrum. It needs to come out now before it hits your brain. I had a surgical cancellation this morning. Let's go down the hall and I'll take it out. Shocked and in disbelief, I agreed to it. When I woke up in recovery, he said, looks like we got it all. You will start radiation tomorrow. You need to be out of work for a while. You can't talk for seven days because it will hinder your healing. That's not an easy thing to begin with. You need to have someone come pick you up because you can't drive home. My head was spinning. How could this be happening? I woke up, and it was a normal day. I went to work like everything was normal. I texted Ray and asked him, come pick me up from work. As I waited, I typed out on my phone everything that I had to tell him since I couldn't speak. When he pulled up, he said, "What, Babe, what's, what's going on? Why am I here to get you? I turned my phone around for him to read. The pain in my ears, cancer. They did surgery and removed the tumor. I can't talk for seven days, which actually turned into two weeks. I start radiation tomorrow. Please take me home. Numbed and scared, we went home. We prayed. We cried. He called our family to tell them what was going on. I went through multiple radiation treatments and thankfully became cancer-free. That was cancer number one. At my six-month checkup, they discovered five tumors in my neck. They called it leomyosarcoma, and it was very aggressive. That was cancer number two. It was caused by the radiation that they gave me to kill the melanoma. We started radiation chemo, even surgery where they stuck needles into the tumors and heated it to excessive degrees trying to burn them off. Nothing seemed to work. We seemed to just pray and cry, and we stood on our faith. We knew, if nothing else, but God. We knew no matter what, he had it. I held tightly to my life verse. It's from Psalms 46.1. God is our refuge and our strength, our ever help in present times of trouble. Things got worse as the cancer hit stage four and went throughout my entire body. I went from 170 pounds down to 107 in a matter of a few months. I developed stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma on top of the Leo-Meier's That was cancer number three. I was constantly sick and weak. I had seizures, constant mind-numbing pain. Ray came home and found me unconscious on the floor with a busted open head more than once. He has been stereotyped all across the Northeast as an abusive husband from the numerous bruises and beat up areas that have been on my body for years. There were literally days the pain was so intense that I begged God to take me home. I just couldn't deal with the pain anymore. (laughs) Sorry, God. I even went so far as to look my sweet husband in the eye and tell him, it's okay, you can leave, you didn't sign up for this. We'd only been married for a short time, and I know he didn't marry me just to watch me die. But again, but God, that amazing blessing of God, my husband looked me in the eye and said, no. I know God will heal you, and it will be okay. We continue to stand in our faith. Who knows how good quitting looks. It can look very tempting. The devil makes it very easy to want to give up and stop. However, Scripture repeatedly says, fight back, press on, endure, persevere. Nowhere once does the Bible say quit. In July 2013... All five oncology teams, yes, I had five, I'm not special, (laughs) in three different states all concurred. The cancer was terminal, and they had given us an estimated three, three and a half years. Gray and I prayed and prayed and prayed and agreed that we needed to stop the treatments. We wanted quality of life that I had left, not quantity. We stopped worrying and started living by faith even more. When cancer's all around, excuse me, when chaos is all around, don't be scared or shocked. Don't fuss and complain. Get ready to fight. Be aggressive in your fight against the enemy. It's not like the devil's going to take it easy on you. Only God knows how long the test will last. Quitting is not an option for the child of God. The enemy is always going to attack you, causing you to have doubts and questions about your faith. Bind him in the authority of Jesus Christ. Philippians 4 says, Do not worry about anything, but instead pray for everything. In October 2014, I went to the doctor to monitor the cancer progression. To everyone's awe and amazement, the cancer was completely gone from my body except the five tumors that were in my neck. Remember I said we stopped all treatment a year prior. By God's miraculous healing, And the little bit of treatment that they needed to do to get rid of the five tumors. I was completely healed and everything was gone. When the devil comes after you, and he will. When he comes after your family, and he will. Just remember whose you are. I became cancer-free in March of 2016. Philippians 1.28 says, And nothing, be terrified by your adversary. You all know nothing surprises God. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going to happen. He's got it. When the devil comes at you, stand tall, square your shoulders, and remind the enemy that you're a child of the the living God. The royal blood of heaven runs through your veins. You are not his victim, but a victor in Jesus Christ. I stand before you as a four-time cancer survivor. Be encouraged. Christ has the victory over the enemy. When the devil tells you that you need to quit, that you can't do it, remind him that you are a child of God. When he tries to remind you of your past and tell you what you've been through and where you've fallen and where you've messed up, remind him of his future. Thank you all. Yes.
1: Man. What a powerful testimony of hope And Betty, Ray, we love you yes. Praying for you Thank you for sharing today And giving the devil a black eye yes. Man, glory to God Thank the Lord for working in that situation And we know the Lord he, He's working, he is a way maker yes, he is. And he's made a way for you And he can make a way for anybody that's here today Friend, you trust in him Let's worship the Lord
3: You'll stand with us and just worship God. After a testimony like like that, hallelujah, we need to be praising him. That was awesome. But we're going to go into a time now that we are going to claim he is our way maker. And everything that we're facing, no matter what it is, so worship. You may not worship the same as the person beside you. That doesn't matter. You worship. God deserves every kind and every bit of praise that we have got to give him. Let's worship. Miracle worker, promise keep, lying in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keep, lying in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Even when I don't
4: see it you' working even when I don't feel it you're working. you work, it never stop it never stop working it never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it you work. working
1: Man, he's way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. And friend, he's always working. You may be seated. Glory to God. Betty, when I hear your testimony, I'm just reminded that even though things change in our life and, and the paths that we take, God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And that's why we can have hope today. This next testimony you're about to hear is from a young man named Michael Long. Michael and his wife Kayla and their family have been coming to our church for several months now. Very powerful testimony in Michael's life. I asked him for permission earlier. Could I share something before he came up? But because of what you did last year around Christmas time. You know, we had an event here last year, Christmas time, called Impact Christmas. And many of you were able to give to that ministry, and many of you came out that night and served in it. And we opened up the church for some families in our community and in the schools. And we wanted to just make sure they had a blessed Christmas. We wanted to just bless those families big time. And we did, thanks to each and every one of you. And Michael and his family were one of the families that showed up for that Christmas event. His boys had already been coming to our B3 ministry some. And during that night, when everything was over, we invite uh, families to come to a room where we can pray over them and then we can just bless them with a lot of great stuff to hopefully give them a great Christmas. And in that room, that family, the Long family come in. Michael came in there with his family and had a chance to pray with him. And while we were praying, we prayed that God would just be with them at Christmas and just love on his family. And when I looked up from praying, Michael had tears in his eyes, and he looked at me, and he says, I will be back. I will be back. And he came back. He came back several months later. He came back to our church, but most importantly, he came back to Jesus Christ and surrendered himself to the Lord. And so, Michael, you come forward, sir, and uh, let's make Michael and Kayla welcome today. You just share, brother. Thank you so much.
5: Uh, First of all, I want to start off saying that uh, God is good. Amen? Amen. Um, As Brother Jeff said, um, I told him I would be back, but I didn't know I would be back as fast as I did. God had other plans. I want to talk a little bit about uh, my past The Lord has brought me a long ways from where I once was. I used to drink drink alcohol a lot, even before I was at legal age to drink. I used to sneak around and drink. I drank all through the years. Um, I progressed. I would work all week. Everybody else was ready to get home maybe go out to eat or something or be with the family I was ready to get to the liquor store before it closed and that's what I did I worked I spent my money on liquor alcohol it even got, it even got bad it got to the point where I was putting alcohol before my family I didn't realize what I was doing I was all about me I was doing me It got to the point where I would put off paying bills because I wanted that I wanted that bottle of liquor, and I would put my family in a bind because of it. I would have to borrow money from my dad. I, can't, I couldn't pay my bills because I made a mistake. I wasn't thinking straight, and uh, I say it just it just got worse and worse. And like Brother Jeff said, my kids were coming to this church. And they would ask me time and time, over and again, over and again. Daddy, come to church with us. But no, I ain't going today. I might go next Sunday or next Wednesday. Time come around. And they would ask me again. I so said, Daddy, won't you come to church? I'll go one day. I think that's a big excuse a lot of people use. Is I'll, I'll, go, I'll go one day. I'll go when I get ready. What if tomorrow don't never come and you're not ready? You can't stand in front of Jesus and say, well, I was going to go when I got ready. What's the Lord going to say? he going to say, I don't know you. So my biggest fear, I was talking to Brother Jeff, my biggest fear used to be of dying. That was my biggest fear of people, fear of snakes, spiders other things because I knew if I left my family and I got out there and got in a car wreck, I knew where I was going. I knew I was going to hell and that scared me to death. I'd be riding down the road sometimes just thinking, tears would come to my eyes. I I, I was so afraid of dying and I, I didn't want that. So, um, I made a, I made a goal for myself. I don't know what everybody's New Year's resolution was. Mine's usually to eat better, to work out, save money. But you see how the heck went. He <laughs> just, I, I tried. They say you're supposed to have cheat days, but I had more cheat days than others. <laughs> but, um, I try to do right. And, uh. Come, come, uh, New Year's. Something come to my mind. I was like, you know, I, I don't want this no more. I want a different life. I don't want to drink no more. Um. So. I say, you know what? This New Year resolution is gonna be different than any other. When the church opens the first Sunday. In January of 2020, I'm going to be in church. And I'll tell you what, they won't come that morning. They won't nothing going to keep me from coming here. Nothing. I had to make my mind up that I was going. So we got in the car, and if I remember right, the kids, they stayed up playing the game all night. Didn't want to get up and go to church. I said, no, nah, we're going to church this morning. I said, "And nah, everybody's going to be with me so we got in the car and come to church I remember walking through the door right there I remember seeing brother Jeff eye to eye contact I believe he knew I was here for business as I was sitting in the back hearing the praise team and I was worshiping and praying I was sitting there and I, I, I was anxious. I was ready. I was I was ready for that altar call. And I tell you what, when Brother Jeff made the altar call, if, if you don't know Jesus, today's the day to know Him. I couldn't have got to the altar any faster. I don't believe. I I was, I was ready to get up there. And uh, I got up there, and I went, And I, I remember, I had I was I was crying, and I told Brother Jeff. The reason the reason I'm here, I'm the man of the house. I'm the father. I'm the husband. I knew it had to start with me. Amen. It wasn't doing no good. My kids coming to church and me still drinking, and me not just showing a um a good role model for them. I tell them to go get me a drink. Out of the refrigerator it got to the point where they just they brought me a beer, and I was actually wanting something to drink. I told Kayla, I said, "You know what? I said today while I'm at work, take every bit of it out the refrigerator. All the wine, it don't matter how old it is. The beer, the liquor, just clear the refrigerator out. Because you got to get all the negative stuff out your life if you're gonna move on with Lord, with Jesus Christ. You got to get people out your life that's negative. And you're not gonna move forward if you don't do them things. You got to trust in the Lord." And make the right decisions. Am I where I want to be at? No, but I'm getting there. I'm learning. I was talking to Brother Jeff the other night, Thursday night, about I'm still learning how to God, how, how does God speak to you? I'm still learning all that. I'm I'm new. Don't get me wrong, I've been to church some during during my lifetime, but I always backslid and just quit going. And we're back to the same old Michael. But now I'm I'm planning on staying on this path. I'm not going back. <laughs> Things. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I used to love to go home and make make me a mixed drink, especially on a hot day, a tiring day, and a rough week. I used to, and it's been tempting. But with Jesus Christ, I have not fell into that trap. The devil's trying to get a hold of me, and you know. He tries to get a hold of new Christians. Like he knows they'll fall hard for him, for his traps. But I haven't failed. I haven't picked up no alcohol. I'm, a, I'm around family and I pray for them every day. After a while, they'll quit asking me if I want a beer. You would think. Because <laughs> I always tell them, no, I'm good. Well, one ain't gonna hurt. I said, no, I'm good. I don't I don't want none. So you got a bottle of water, you got a drink over there? So, I have come a long ways, and I'm going to tell you something. What the Lord has done for me, he can do for the people watching online or in this church. You just got to have faith and trust in Jesus. And you got to have some people to support you. You can't do it by yourself. And I'd like to thank this church for being very supportive and welcoming me and my family to this church. And I thank y'all.
1: I'm reminded that the Lord is a God who can destroy and break the strongholds off of our life. Can deliver you, friend, whoever you are today. Testimony Michael shared, no matter if it's alcohol, drugs, whatever it may be, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. The Lord can give you freedom today, He can redeem you today. Man, so encouraging. So encouraging. Thank you for sharing, brother. This next testimony you're about to hear is one we've been praying about here recently for a young man named Anderson Rouse, Anderson's mom. Amy's here today. Anderson's going to be with us in the second service. But I want to welcome Amy to the stage now. Amy and Greg and Aiden and Anderson, they're both a blessing. All of them are a blessing to this church. They constantly give to this church uh, in a lot of different ways. And God has truly done a miracle in their life, and they have a powerful testimony. So let's make Ms. Amy Rouse welcome. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Good morning. Um, as you know, my son had open-heart surgery in Pittsburgh in August. But what you might not know is that was not our first. When Anderson was born, Greg and I were told that he had several complex congenital heart defects, and that the only way he would survive would be through a series of open-heart surgeries. Um, he had his first one when he was six days old. He had his second one at six months old, and he had a third one at 18 months old. Those were a rough 18 months. Um, even after the third one, we knew that there were more. You see, Anderson has Epstein's anomaly and pulmonary atresia. The entire right side of his heart does not function normally, so he can't get... He couldn't get oxygen um, to his body he was a blue baby and um, part of his defect is he has a conduit it's an artificial valve and they have to be replaced every so often because they don't grow with the child and eventually they don't work well and after that third surgery we also had some other specific problems we had to pray for so that we would not wind up in surgery again quickly so as we would pray, I would always in my prayer with, Lord, just give me a year. I needed a year where his body didn't have to deal with surgery, and my family needed a year where we didn't, I mean, emotionally, mentally, financially, we were done. You know, we needed a break, and so I prayed. Pray that every night. And I tell you that because the time between Anderson's third surgery and his last surgery was 12 and a half years. Twelve and a half years is a really long time to go on an artificial valve when you're a child. Um, During that time, he did great. We hit those milestones, and if you saw Anderson before his surgery, you would probably never know that he had a heart defect. Um, Other than an MRI and a catheterization, he had no other heart problems, and we didn't really take heart meds, so he did great. So God truly answered that prayer for us. So even though you know it's coming, You're never prepared. So last July, we got the phone call that said it's time. They want to proceed and replace this valve. But they also hit us with we also want to do something called the comb procedure. Um, That is something they do for children with Epstein's anomaly to help that valve particular valve function um, better. Well, Epstein's is pretty rare. So there are a couple places in the United States that specialize in it. Greg and I reached out to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, and we also reached out to Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh. Those are the um, two specialized places for Epstein's. And the gentleman you see in this picture is actually the surgeon who invented the comb procedure. And we found out in January that this gentleman, Dr. De Silva, was willing to travel to North Carolina and actually assist with the surgery. So Greg and I were thrilled. Because we were going to get to stay close to home. We were going to get the best of the best. And then COVID happened. And a lot of things happened. But we still had our date. We were still told July 7th. And Greg and I were fasting. We were praying. We were believing that July 7th was going to be our date. And then about a week and a half before surgery, we got a phone call that said, we have a complication. Um, We can't do it. We'll get back with you and let you know when we can. We can. So that phone call came in mid-July, and they said, you know, that complication's been handled, unfortunately. During that two-to-three-week span, um, North Carolina became a hot state for COVID. And for this particular doctor to come down to North Carolina, he would have to then go back to Pennsylvania and quarantine for two weeks. And that was just not something he could do. Um, so we were going to have to delay it even, even longer. And I'll admit that one hit me hard. I was not real happy. If you know me, I am a planner. I have my plan. I don't like to deviate from my plan, but then I thought, you've been praying God's time. You've been praying that God's will would happen. It would be the right time for the surgeon. It would be the right time for Anderson's body, so I had to trust, and that's very, if you know me, that's hard. I like my plan, but then Greg and I asked the question, can we come to you? You can't come to us, but can we come to you? And all I can say is that had to be God's plan. It was God-ordained from the time we got there to the time we got back home. Everything went so smoothly. Um, and I know part of that is the prayers that you as a church family were praying for us. God and uh, Greg and I had a sense of peace through the whole process. And when we got there... Um, Day of surgery arrived. What was supposed to be a four-hour surgery turned into a six-hour surgery. And when the surgeon came out, he said, I'm so glad you came here. He said, this was more complicated than I thought. He said, nothing in the test or paperwork showed us that we were going to run into this problem. And I'm so glad I had my team. He even said, I had to stop and think for a few minutes about what I was going to do. So we knew right then that was an answer to a prayer that God wanted us in Pittsburgh for him to work with his team. And so Anderson, two hours after coming out of surgery, was talking to us. He doesn't remember it, but I do, and that was good to me. Twelve hours after surgery, Anderson was walking. And then four, four days after surgery, on my birthday, Anderson walked out of the hospital. And funny story, when we were getting ready to leave, the lady said, okay, you can leave the nurse. And I said, "Where well, are we waiting for the wheelchair? And she said, do you need a wheelchair? And I said, ma'am, I'm from North Carolina. You roll out of, out of the hospital. You don't walk out. And he walked out. And all I can say is he's done great ever since we had our follow-up appointment. This past Wednesday, and our cardiologist here in North Carolina, he said everything looks excellent. Um, I know Anderson's not happy, but we're transitioning back into school. We're easing into it. That's not his favorite thing, um, but that's a blessing to to me and Greg. Um, we know it's because of the <laughs> prayers, and we thank you so much for your prayers. And I guess my. My story, or what I want to tell you that I've learned through this, I've always joked that um, God's teaching me patience, because I I want—if there's a problem, I want to fix it. And this is not a problem I can fix. I have to trust and I have to rely that God's going to see see us through it, and His plan will always be better than my plan. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Amy, for sharing that powerful testimony and uh, so thankful for what the Lord is doing in uh, Anderson's life. Um, And we listen. These are stories of hope, and it's only because and only through Jesus Christ that we can have this hope. And so right now, we want to just go and take time together as a church to celebrate the hope that we have in Christ through a time of communion. So I'm going to ask you, if you will, just go ahead and take out your communion cup And we're just following the Lord's instructions. I'm reminded what Jesus said to his disciples there in Luke 22. And Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it. And he said to them, he gave it to them and said to them, this is my body given for you. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And today, as we remember how God is working through all these testimonies in the lives of these people, Most of all, we remember the death of Jesus Christ because it's because of him that all this is possible. (laughs) I'm not talking about a temporary hope. I'm talking about a lasting hope that comes through Jesus Christ. Do you know him today, friend? Because this time of communion is about believers proclaiming his death and celebrating the hope that we have in Christ and friend if you're here this morning and you don't know him this is the perfect time to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior I mean he's brought you here today and I know by his Holy Spirit he spoke to hearts already and he's telling you that he loves you he loves you he loves you he's not mad with anybody in here I don't care how much you've messed up he loves you And if you'll just receive him, just repent of your sins and turn from sin and just say, "I, I receive you into my life, Jesus. Come and be my Lord and be my Savior. Cleanse me, forgive me. I want to live for you. I want this lasting hope that can bring true joy and peace to me even when I go through storms and battles. And you can have that peace today through Jesus Christ, friend. Right there where you are, just say, I need you, Jesus save me. I'm a sinner, and I need salvation. So Jesus said, take the bread. It is given for you, and he says, take this cup, which is a new covenant, my blood, which is poured out for you, and that's what we want to do now. We want to celebrate today with communion. So friend, just hold the bread up right now, and just examine your heart, and just declare that you have a you have a lasting hope because of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving your body. You are the bread of life that gives us lasting hope. Take the bread. Pull back that next layer there. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? My heart is so full right now. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that new covenant. This is my blood which is poured out for you. Aren't you thankful today? Listen, friend, Jesus poured out his blood for you and for me. He poured out his blood so we could have salvation from sin and death and hell and the grave, that we can be redeemed. There is power in the blood. And today we celebrate hope because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Drink the juice. I'm going to ask the praise team to get in place. Let me pray for you right now. Father, we thank you for this special time that as we come together as a church family that we can proclaim. We can proclaim your death until you come back. And through communion today, God, we celebrate the hope that we have in you. God thank you for giving your body you took our place on the cross and we thank you for that we thank you for shedding your precious blood for you are the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and we celebrate that today Lord we celebrate that this is special to us Lord knowing that you even while we were sinners you died for us because you loved us so much We can never praise you enough, Lord. And we thank you for the hope that we have in you, in you, in you, in you, Jesus, in you. Lord, we're so weak, but you're so strong. And God, you are our hope today. And we look forward, God, as we proclaim your death and as we proclaim and celebrate your resurrection, we look forward to you coming back. Don't you look forward to him coming back? (laughs) That we get to go to that place called paradise to be with Jesus (laughs) and to be with all those loved ones that are there. Hallelujah. Thank you for making a way, God, through Jesus. We look forward to that, Lord. But until then, we're going to wait and hope. We're going to stand in hope. We're going to trust in hope, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Will you stand with me, please?